Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. I'm Justice Mosqueda. Um, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm joined here by Evan Tex Wester. Say, say what's up to the people, Tex. Oh, what's up, everybody? Embrace embrace the darkness. Embrace nihilism. Eat at Arby's. This was a very bad football game. Um, yeah. For the Green Bay Packers, I'm sure if you're a Bucks fan, you probably love it. Uh, the Bucks are now, what, they're in the driver's seat after the Falcons lost to the Carolina Panthers um, in, the, in the NFC South. Uh, those are the Carolina Panthers that are about to play the Green Bay Packers next week, which we'll probably touch on that a little bit later. Um, Baker Mayfield, 22 of 28 for 381 yards and four touchdowns. First road player with a perfect passer rating in the history of Lambeau Field. Lambeau Field has been around for a while. I don't know long, if you know this. Long, long time. <laughs> um. Yeah. But like every time that the Packers did something good on defense, they immediately shot themselves in the foot. Um, you know, there's the the five sacks that are pretty obvious with the Baker stuff, which we've talked about the structure of this defense and how you kind of have to get penetration plays, you know, from an outstanding defensive line um, to kind of warrant playing that way on a down to down basis. The Packers did that, and then they immediately wiped it off the board, which is maybe the most frustrating uh, way to like result that you could get where it's like, we had the good pass rush game yep, and it didn't even matter. Like he perfect pass rating. Didn't. Yeah. Matter. How many times did, you know, did we have, did the Packers have them in like a long down and distance situation? Right. Um, I remember there was, I mean, there was Andy, this... Andy counted at least four, including yeah. like uh, not ones that were um, preceded by, sacks but like offensive holding and stuff like that you know first and 15 and they end up you know it's hey it's second and one now yeah and that's the the one that one of the ones that stands out to me was right before the half and you get a sack and then you get a holding penalty and they're sitting at second and 29 at like midfield well out of field goal range and what do they do with you know 20 seconds left it's just you know easy 25 yard corner route to chris godwin with nobody around him and all of a sudden, boom, you're right there in field goal range to to take a lead into halftime. Like, what what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? Hey, it's a miscommunication, so we can't blame anyone. That's mm. kind of the uh what they've been saying the past couple of weeks. It's like, oh, just we had an oopsie. How can how yeah. can you how can you say anything bad about an oopsie? Um there was also this screen that was extremely frustrating. Seemed like no Packer was really interested in getting off of a block today. I am at the point. Let me look up right now what Devondre Campbell's uh, cap situation is going to be like moving forward. Because I don't. I mean, I'm not a guy who thinks that like Isaiah McDuffie is the answer. I've been pretty vocal about that, but um, I also don't know if continuing to pay Devondre Campbell is a good idea. Uh, yeah. He would be making 10.75 million. In cash, he has a 14.4 cap hit and a 11.6 dead cap. So you can technically save some money there. If you post June 1 him, that's probably the easiest way to right. save money um, in terms of the cap space. So maybe this is a situation where we get a uh, Mike Daniels slash um, Josh Sitton type of release where it comes, you know, basically at – cut downs next year. Like I could see something like that for Campbell if they can find some sort of linebacker in the draft that they yeah. feel confident about. But they haven't always been super aggressive about letting young guys get a bunch of camp reps with the ones early. So I don't even know what that looks like unless, you know, Campbell sits out like OTAs or something and he hasn't been a guy who's usually done that. 
Yeah, it's it's ugly. And the fact that, like you said, he's he's locked up on a contract through 2026, um, that really kind of throws that that wrench into things. So, I mean, they have done it with other players in the past where, you know, they they'll carry 10 mil, some something like that of, of dead money. And just it certainly seems like they they when they did make the decision to cut a guy, they want to do it then and there, just have all the cap accelerate. Yeah you know, right away and move on. And like you said, at least they're in a position where if they were to do that with Campbell next year and, and not post June 1st, him, um, they could do it and not cost themselves additional cap space. Um, Cause again, cap space is going to be at a premium next year. Um, yep. And, and you're, you know, we keep talking about, it, you're looking at 2025 when the cap sheet starts to, starts to clear up and, and that's our target date. So um I guess if if they want to move on, they can do it and and not affect their 2025 cap if they really want to. Rashad White uh, set his career high in yards from scrimmage today, 139. Um, got explosives through the ground and air. What the hell? Um, there were comments after the game. Let me find it. Uh, it came from Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. This is his tweet. A uh, lot of talk in Packers locker room about, quote, getting schemed up. Example, Rashad White's 25-yard touchdown catch in the in the third quarter. Right, White ran open down the seam. Bucks hadn't shown play on film. Carrington Valentine, quote, he wasn't expect or we wasn't expecting that. We were driving down hard on screens, and they got us. So, like, we're just running a defense off of, like, expectations and, and hints. Like, this doesn't seem sustainable i am uh this might be the title of the repack this week here it is the one where we fire joe barry like (laughs) (laughs) i i think it's i think it's finally time um and it's funny because two weeks ago right we're coming off of that that game against kansas city and here we are thinking you know you and i talked about it that it's going to take a you know a massive collapse against bad teams in the last five games of the season well we're two for two at yeah. this point. Yeah, he is not beating the main character allegations that we said like he needed to avoid in the final month of the season. Um I mean, Baker's gonna be NFC player of the week, right? He has to be. Oh, he no question. Almost threw for four hundred yards, had a perfect passer rating. So we're talking about Tommy DeVito, who uh what they scored six point the Giants scored six points today. They scored ten points the week before, and he was <laughs> NFC player of the week last week so now we're talking about back-to-back we this is also a defense that i know it was last year but zach wilson got nfc player of the week like we're we're turning bum quarterbacks into stars this is not good we had like four picks or something against baker mayfield last year yeah yeah i i looked at it he he had more yards and more touchdowns in this game than in the two games combined that he had with the the what the Browns and the Rams at Lambeau each of the last two Decembers. Um, and, and again, to, to do it when you still get the pass rush showing up and, and getting home, um, man, like this, this defense has been so reliant on, um, fluky turnovers to keep them in games. I mean, the Keyshawn Nixon pick at the end of the, the chiefs game, right. Um, great, incredible individual play, but a little, a little crazy, a little fluky. And then the only reason they were still in that game last week is, you know, Saquon trips over his own feet and fumbles. And yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, and the red, the red zone sacks and stuff like mm -hmm. that, like that, that was one thing. um, When we've been answering questions from, you know, either people at the halftime spaces, which by the way, are still fun. And then um, when I get asked from like Andy and stuff like that, where they're like, what do we make of Joe Barry's defense? Cause like statistically they're not like doing anything well other than like kind of getting lucky. I'm like, it's, it's both things. Like you, we don't have mm-hmm. to, we have eyes, right? Like <laughs> we, we don't have to pretend that we're not witnessing this defense, you know, do the whole bend, bend don't break type of thing. Um, but I think it's time, man. Um, Rip off the bandaid. How many, yeah. How many times do we have to see this? The, the thing, um, We'll talk about Aaron Nagler and something that he said, and I don't have beef with Aaron, uh, but he mentioned this, and I think he's wrong. Um, 
people brought up in season firings and why uh like what what does the value add there mean right mm -hmm. um and his point was the Packers made an in-season firing of McCarthy, and then they didn't do anything with that because LaFleur was the last guy that they interviewed, and they didn't really fall in love with any of the guys, and he was just the last guy in the room and all that stuff. I don't know if that's true in terms of, like, if they liked guys or not, but I know the Green Bay Packers wanted to get to market early because they were restructuring what their organizational, like, pyramid looked like. It was going yep. to go from the general manager runs everything to the general manager and the head coach both report to the you know president slash C. I mean it's Mark Murphy. Um that is a pretty significant pitch that you want to give to agents on the front end. Now are they restructuring anything at the defensive coordinator position? I don't know. Is there anyone that you actually want to like give an opportunity? Um they're on yeah, the, the like, staff as an interim staff. I don't know. Like a lot of guys, I mean the guy who um, probably would have had the best opportunity would have been Jerry Gray. And he yeah. left for the assistant head coaching uh, job in Atlanta this past off season when he got interviewed as a defensive coordinator and then willingly left for a, you know, he's still the defensive backs coach. I mean, that's a lateral position, right? Um, I, I'm just thinking about the guys on this staff, right? I mean, Jerry Montgomery, defensive line coach. He's like the longest tenured one and he hasn't done shit. So yep. no. Yeah, um, you've got Greg Williams, the passing game coordinator. Who just got here. <laughs> just got here this year, exactly. Um, I mean, Oliva Dottie, the inside linebackers coach, I guess. He's been around for a while, but, I mean, I've never I've never heard a mention of really any of these guys being a you know, anything think, more I than position coaches. I think he's fine, but, yeah, I, I don't understand why you would need to give him a defensive coordinator right. opportunity. Yeah. Like, if we're going to swing, I want to swing big at D.C. Um, and I think you're going to have to swing big at D.C. Because yeah. if we're looking at this right now, I mean, there's a good possibility the Packers are going to be hiring a defensive coordinator and possibly an entire new defensive staff on the heels of back-to-back sub-500 seasons. I mean... I don't want to go back to the Matt LaFleur's on the hot seat thing because, like, I don't – it's not happening. Like, they could lose out this year, yeah. and it's not going to matter because love's shown enough flashes. But going into next season, like, they're going to – they're going to need to have a winning record. Um, and if they don't, they'll probably clean house. And what does that mean for you as a defensive coordinator when you're weighing other options and, you know – Teams like Carolina or uh, Los Angeles or New England or et cetera, et cetera, are going to hire an entire brand new coaching staff. So you know you're going to have a three-year runway, right? Like that matters. That matters a lot. So if you're going to go after a defensive coordinator, one, you aren't going to poach anyone. I've seen people say like, go pay Jim Schwartz, whatever he wants. Like that doesn't, <laughs> that's not happening. That's no. not happening. Um, if you're going to get a big name, I would guess like, so, so one, a Gio Evero is a pretty significant one. One thing that I don't know is how much the Carolina Panthers are going to shake up that coaching staff. That coaching staff is extremely well-paid. That was probably the most expensive coaching staff assembled in the history of the NFL um, outside of like the head coaching position. If we're just talking about like the assistance pool and stuff like that. So I don't know if they're going to want to fire everyone or if they just want to fire the people around Bryce Young, which is really kind of what they've done so far this season. Right. So are they going to keep the defensive coaches intact? I don't, like, is it Gio Evero even going to be on the market? I don't know. And then the other option is maybe looking into uh, the college ranks. And I know everyone's going to say, you know, Leonard, right. Like he's <laughs> going to be the big one. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll figure it out, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I also do wonder about, I mean, Archon has brought it up in the Slack a bunch today, and the question about, um, you know, if Sala gets fired by the Jets, do you look at him? Um, I, mean, I don't think he's going to get fired, though, man. Aaron has so much. Yeah. Did you see today what I'm, was no. up with Aaron? He had no. a headset on. <laughs> Not an earpiece, a headset. Like, he's two-way comms during these oh, games. Man. Like. Guys, this is Aaron. Aaron is functionally like the owner of the Jets. He gets to make the decisions about some of these things. Like, holy crap. Bob is not going anywhere. 
<laughs> unless Hackett is made head coach. Like, <laughs> well, the thing, like, Jets fans right now are having to deal with that, and they're like, oh, my God, Aaron has so much power. He just wants to hang out with his friends. It's like, you try yeah, this is what this is what you signed up for. We yes. We warned you. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there is an easy answer at D.C. I mean, maybe the best answer is look at the college ranks. Um, if you guys follow college football at all, I know there's a lot of you who don't. Um, it is hell to work in college football right now. <laughs> the uh, courts just ruled that players can transfer multiple times right now. There was a player who I believe just transferred to Miami of Ohio who just played in a bowl game. Like he switched teams like in season, like he, like the bowl bowl games just started. (laughs) Um, A lot of stuff is really up in the area. I mean, basically what's happening in college football right now is the courts, every single time they have to make a decision, just say like, wait, this is a cartel and this is illegal. And what that means is full blown free agency under the guise of, uh, you know, NIL, uh, which is supposed to not, uh, involve the schools, but is clearly uh, they, they know who they need to pay and all these things. And none of it actually has to do with um, how much brand uh, recognition comes in, but like how good they are as football players. Um, a lot of people want out of college football. And if you're looking for desperation, which is, I think what you need out of a defensive coordinator who's willing to take a job where, um, history says you're going to get a lot of developmental projects and, uh, you're, all, you're signing up to play, to coach for a team that has probably is probably going to be sub 500 in back-to-back seasons. That's what you're going to need to look at. So, um, you probably want a guy who's just like, I need to get out of college football more than looking for someone who has a proven track record in the NFL. And, yeah, that comes with some more risk, but like that's where the Packers are at right now. This isn't going to be a premier DC job. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah, not going so the 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 parallels right would be the fact that the Packers hired a you know fired Bob Sanders and hired Dom Capers after Rogers' first year, right, to keep the the Rogers love parallels. You know how much going. Dom Capers made? Dom Capers yeah. is easily the highest paid defensive coordinator in the sport. Like exactly, and that's the thing, right? His his Capers came with a proven track record of success at the NFL level with multiple teams. Didn't work out so well, you know, as a head coach at a couple of stops, but um, yeah, but there was no question about his his acumen as a DC. So um, he was also out of a job too, right? Like he was a free agent at that point. So like, yeah, the Chargers don't have. Any, I mean. If we're looking, I mean, the Giants aren't going to fire Wink, right? Um, The Jets, Sala, maybe, right? Um, I I think that is less likely than people are assuming. The Chargers, I don't really think you want Staley. Like, (laughs) yo, Barry was the linebackers coach in the AHC under Staley. Like, it's the same thing. Like, Staley hasn't been able to stop the run at all either. I mean, Washington already fired Jack Del Rio. You don't want any parts of that. Ron Rivera yeah, no. does, does not move the needle for me. I don't think the Bears are going to change up anything in terms of the coaching staff at this point. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't think that there's a... I mean, what, you want to hire Eberflus? Like, is that what we're doing? Like, Bill Belichick isn't coming to coach and be a DC in Green Bay. Right. Like, we're running out of options here, guys. Like, there's only going to be so many coaches who have you know, had an opportunity at these jobs and gotten fired. Like, unless there's like a Rex Ryan, who's finally like, okay, I'm done being, I'm done chasing a head coaching job. And I just want to get back into the sport, um, which is a real thing, right? Like think about like Jim Mora, right? Like Jim Mora was a guy who just basically sat out a billion coaching cycles because he just wanted to be a head coach, ended up at UCLA, sat out for a long time, and then ended up taking UConn just because it was a head coaching job. Like, maybe you break down one of those guys who, you know, say like, okay, I just want to be around football again, and I don't care that I have to report to someone. I get to be the top man as a defensive coordinator. Maybe you can get someone like that. Um, But outside of that, I mean, I don't see a whole lot of optimism. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, maybe they get a young guy who does something innovative, 
and you know you like that or um you know someone comes up from the college ranks like i'm not saying that they can't make a good hire i'm just saying like i'd be pretty surprised if they win the press conference right like that that's kind of where i would set expectations at this point um I guess we should talk about how Matt talked about uh, the situation because he did get asked about if he would fire Joe Barry. And uh, he, oh, man, so many Um, (laughs) non-answers. This was the first one from a reporter. Matt, would uh, would you ever consider an in-season change at coordinator? Matt replied, yeah, now's not the time for that, to be honest with you. They asked, why is that? Because now's not the time. I'm trying to find solutions, and I got to go back and take a look at the film. Now, that take a look at the film thing is something he repeated 5,000 times during this press conference. Um, he also mentioned the uh, I'm looking for solutions thing multiple times. This is another I'm, question. Oh, uh, go ahead. I'm, real quick, I'm going to stop you there because um, I don't I don't need to look at the films a second time. I know you did, <laughs> but I can tell you from watching it live the first time, it ain't going to be good. It's bad. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I took some time. I waited until what this would have been 6 p.m. Central to go back and rewatch the game. Rewatched it. It was bad. It confirmed bad. We'll talk about this more in like vibe checks and stuff. Um, This was another question he got asked, Matt, I totally understand what you're trying to do with your answers. We keep asking defensive questions. When you say that you have to quote, look at the film, are you saying that you have to look at it and decide how to fix things or you have to look at it and evaluate whether or not you want to keep your staff the way it is? And this is his response right very, now. Very good question, by the way. Yes. Shout out to Wildy. Uh, yep. You can tell that was a Wildy question because it was yep. five sentences. Um, shout out to <laughs> Wildy. Love you. Um, Matt responded, right now, we're looking for solutions. So I want to go back to it. And as soon as we leave here, I'm going right back into my office and get to work on that. That's a complete non-answer. I will say there's a difference in the way that he's answering these questions versus earlier in the season. Yeah. Which earlier in the season was full-throated support for Joe Barry. And these are... A variation of no comment, basically. Yep. Like they're, I mean, they're non-answers. Um, so I think he's feeling the heat. Um, main character two weeks in a row, maybe not in just Green Bay, but in the NFL. Like when you have people, I, I know Zach mentioned this on uh, the repack, but he's like, dude, when people like Mina Kimes are coming out and being like, why are the Packers continuing to do this? That yep. ends up becoming yep. an issue, and it certainly is getting covered. If, if the Packers totally collapse and go from like the 70-whatever percent chance to make the playoffs to not making the playoffs at all, um, there, there, there will be a pound of flesh to pay. And that's the collapse that, that we talked about needing to happen in order to yep to make the move so and i wasn't sure it was going to happen and now <laughs> it buddy it's slipping the gears are slipping this does not feel good it's man this is such a streaky team i mean I, I i joked about two weeks ago we had gone from you know i can't believe i have to watch this team to can't believe i get to watch this team and now the pendulum has swung all the way back again because um, this is this looks like a completely different team, at least defensively, um, than it did a couple of weeks ago. I think. Um, I mean, we we haven't even touched on the offense yet, which yeah. I think there were at least some some bright spots there that we can we can get to. But um, th- this this defense was nothing like the one that we saw. You know, keep Patrick Mahomes in check and and keep that that Chiefs offense to what was it less than twenty points nineteen. Um, I want to talk about who was in and who was out before we get into vibe checks. Um, Christian Watson, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, AJ Dillon all out. Uh, AJ Dillon broke his thumb. He's supposed to, you know, they said it was like heavily padded. I would assume that that's like a club type of situation. I've never seen that work for a running back. Um, I've seen that for linebackers, right? Uh, Nick Perry famously like just Mm -hmm. played half of his games with the club on. I've never seen that with a running back. I, as long as that thumb is an issue, and I don't know how long it takes to um, heal a bone in your thumb, but as long as that's an issue, I would assume that he's not going to be playing football games. And the call-up of Kenyon Drake um, kind of signified that too. Jair Alexander, I'm officially a little bit worried now. I know the media has made it a big old thing. I didn't really buy into Jair Alexander having any sort of issue with the team or you know the the keyword we don't want to talk about the keyword quit but 
Um, he was he was noticed as the only player who was not on you know the injured reserve or the practice squad or any of that or inactive who wasn't working out on the field outside of David Bakhtiari who's not even in Green Bay. I don't know what we do with that, but that doesn't seem like a good thing. So I'm officially yeah. on. I'm on Jair watch. I don't yep. know what I believe there, but I'm on paying attention to Jair. Yeah. Jair watch, not Jair warning, at least at this point. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's because of the reaction. Like, I don't know. Again, Jair's a weird dude. So, like, I, I, I don't know if always, he even always knows remember that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get into the vibe checks and uh, recap this dumbass game. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. All right. Offensive side of the ball. Do you know how many <laughs> rushing yards the Packers had in this game? I, I can tell you they had almost 50 rushing yards in the first drive of the game. And then, I don't know, 20 yards after that, maybe? They had 60 rushing yards in the game. <laughs> 44 of those came on the first drive. So if you're doing the math at home, they had 16 rushing yards total combined the entire game, including scrambles, all that, after cool. the first drive. That's bad. J- Jones had eight carries for 44 on that first drive, and he got five carries the rest of the game. Um, as I'm looking at it now, the the running backs in total had seven carries after the first drive of the game. And I mean, this, this was a close game in, you know, through the entire first half. Yep. And I mean, Packers close to, I guess they never got closer than, than three. And I think they, they never had the ball aside from the opening drive of the second half. That was the only time where they had the ball down by less than a touchdown. If I remember right in the second half. So yeah, you're, you know, you're down seven, 10 points throughout the entire second half, but even so, um, oof. I don't know why that was their game plan. I don't know if it's, are they petrified of using Patrick Taylor? Why? I don't understand. Like he's an NFL running back. Run him. He, he he's run been him. running well the last couple of games. I mean, he had those. Yeah. He had a, a couple of really nice runs last week. A couple of good ones against uh, against Kansas City. Um, yeah, that that one boggled my mind. I don't get it. I would have given him more touches. Certainly, you know, when we heard um, that Jones was going to be on a pitch count, which is what uh, Matt Lafleur said uh, in, in the. Uh, her game, I think it was the radio uh, interview. I just assumed we're going to get the Patrick Taylor game, and that just didn't happen at all. Um, bright spots here to Tavian Wicks, Tucker Craft. Shout out yeah, to uh, Tucker Craft's family jewels. Took a hit. Um, both of them played really well. Really excited about them playing yep. You know, for the Packers in the future. I can't believe we have these guys locked up for four years. That's going to be really fun. Um, one way that they used Tucker Craft was on RPOs. RPOs were back in this game. They probably used RPOs more than any game uh, this season. Um, any game, you know, with Jordan Love, at least since the fourth quarter of that first start that he had against the Chiefs, I would say. I mean, and, I and they if... were pretty successful for the most part, too. Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, he missed an out route on one of, I think it was late second quarter. But otherwise, he, he's making pretty good decisions. I don't know if this is something that's going to be here to stay or if this was an answer to Tampa running all these blitz fronts and stuff like that. I I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, we'll probably see it again against Minnesota at the very least. Um, but I like it. I mean, it's an easy way to move the ball down the field. And if yep. you know, you're not going to run the ball like crazy, like that's one way to do it. I know, I know people were mad about like the goal line stuff. They're mad about like gun runs and stuff like that. This interior offensive line is bad, guys. <laughs> and like, I don't know, Aaron Jones with a knee. Like, I'm not 
we don't have a fullback. Like, how are we supposed to, like, if teams jam up the front at the goal line, what are we supposed to do? Like, I understand them going gun run and doing RPOs and stuff. Like, that's that's modern NFL football, baby. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm yeah. also, like, RPO-pilled in that way where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I can just, like, you can score. Like, I'll, I'll get into a look that can score. So um, maybe I'm the wrong person to ask about this, but I, I just don't get the outrage about that. Well, mentioning the interior offensive line being bad, can we get Josh Myers to snap the ball at the right time once? Um, he missed a free play opportunity when um, when they jumped off sides yep. at one point. Um, and then the two, well, may, maybe the second delay of game might have been a deliberate one with p- field position and yeah, everything yeah, yeah. on like the fourth and six. But the one a couple plays before that um, clearly just was not, was not ready to go and was not paying attention with, with the play clock winding down and at least to that delay game. Like, come on, Josh, get the ball out of your hand, man. It it was not good. Um, there were plenty of times where that, that Tampa interior was beaten up on the Packers interior offensive line too. So not the best game for the Packers offensive line. The Packers also were doing a whole lot of shot plays again. Um, I mm-hmm. think that has more to do with how Tampa's defense is structured and all that stuff. And, but they weren't blocking guys up. Like there were times they were in mass max protection and Jordan love is still getting hit, you know, before he really gets his feet settled. And yeah, love did was one of the issues. happy feet, but hmm. still not great thrown in rhythm. Yeah. I mean, there were, there are a couple, couple instances that stick out in my mind. I mean, one, I mean, there was there, at least a couple of those shot plays, the pressure got home too quick for, for love to actually do anything with him. So yeah. having to, to either scramble or eat the ball or something. And then, you know, talking about his happy feet, the one that sticks out to me there was the, the fourth down near the goal line where he just kind of floated back. And I think, I don't think he had either, either feet, to, either, either of his feet touching the ground when he, uh, when he threw over to Reed and just sailed on him. And yeah. I mean, they got crazy lucky that, you know, on the next series, I think Barry makes the one good play of the game on defense and uh, gets the strip sack and and gives him another chance and and they punch it in. But um, outside of that one, yeah, I agree. I think his his footwork was a little bit better. His his balls were significantly more accurate than they were last week in in New York, and he had. I mean, we we see the flashes, right? We've always seen the flashes, even when he wasn't playing great and consistently. The flashes were there and. Damn the touchdown to Jaden Reed yep. in the second half. Um, that's as good of a ball as you're ever going to see anybody throw. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's going to be on one of. I'd be pretty surprised if that didn't finish like top three in our like top plays of the year. Um, yeah. that that was an insane throw. Uh, Jaden Reed, the jet sweeps are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't record a single carry in this game. Cool, I guess. I don't know if they're replacing all that perimeter stuff with like RPOs. Maybe that's one reason why the RPOs got an uptick. I'm trying to figure out reasons for why the offense looks a little bit different. Um, the negative, wide receivers keep messing up routes too. This happened again. I mean, we had two guys <laughs> run a corner route and love through a ball that was not catchable by either of them. So minus on everyone involved on that play. Yep. I don't know. But- Outside of that, I mean, because that was Wicks and Reed, I think, that were the two guys who were running together on that one. Um, But, I mean, you mentioned Wicks, six catches, 97 yards. I believe that's a season high for a Packers receiver this year, 97 receiving yards. I don't think they've had a a guy hit 100 yet. Um, And they were all, like, every one of them, I feel like, was like a 20-yard pass, you know, 19, 20, 22. And so, um, you know, keeping up his efficiency while, um, you know, while also making big plays and, um, get picking up third down conversions and 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 so on. So another good game out of him. Um, hit the over again. So just keep stealing money. All right, what are we giving this offense? I'm gonna give it like I me mean like a four and a half. Pretty pretty disappointed we couldn't run the ball. Pretty disappointed in the protection. I'm worried. Just the dumb youth at wide receiver is rearing its head again. Mm-hmm. Love didn't play the best, but had some flashes. Like it wasn't terrible, but I don't even know if I would call it average. Yeah. I mean, you could break it down by position group and, and I think you'd have, um, 
you know, you'd be all over the map with this right. game. Um, and, and I think, yeah, all told when you sum it all up together, you know, like a five ish, maybe. Right. <laughs> yep. I feel, I feel the same way. Um, defensive side of the ball, Eric Stokes got the start at cornerback. Um, then kind of got benched. I don't know if he came back into the game, but, uh, you know, Corey Ballantyne did end up, uh, replacing him for a while on that, that drive where, uh, Co-Keith caught a touchdown, which Co-Keith and uh, what was Stone his name? Smart. Stone Smart. God is... damn, dude. I hate this defense so much. When you're letting, you know, alliterative named tight ends that nobody has ever heard of score on you repeatedly, it's it's over, Joe. It's not good. Um, Stokes had a little bit of a rough game. I yeah. Thought. Um, he gave up that touchdown to Mike Evans. He just kind of looked stiff out there a little bit. When he got benched, uh, Matt LaFleur ended up saying that it was because he's working himself into playing shape, which is like a real thing, right? That's why you have training camp, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. So, like, he was able to do it for a couple of quarters, and then it felt uh, – he must have felt like, you know, the gas was running out, um, so they made the switch. Really what you saw in this game, um, again, because, you know, we had the screens and stuff like that and all the stuff off of sacks, but – when Tampa really needed to play, what they did was they spread you out and then they threw off of a linebacker. Mm-hmm. And that's really what they did. They ate you up over the middle of the field. Um, I don't know what, you know, the passing chart looks like for Baker Mayfield, but I would be surprised if, you know, a lot of it didn't come over the middle field, especially in terms of the yak. Um, yeah, that, went, that middle, that middle box in the chart is going to be very bright green for, for him today. Um, and it was, it wasn't just, you know, short throws over the middle. There was a lot of intermediate stuff too, yep. you know, crossers. Um, and, and yeah, it felt like every time, you know, they were in like a third and six, third and eight, you know, they'd pick up an easy 15 yards on a crosser to Chris Godwin, like yeah. damn near every time. Here is the little math lesson, right? 11 players on your defense. Two of them are going to be playing high, right? So we're down two, we're down to nine. Four of them are going to be at the line of scrimmage, right? So we're down to five. When Tampa goes in empty, you're basically lining up a hat on a hat, right? Yep. And if you're not lining up in man where, you know, these guys are head up on these guys, then there's gaps, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of where a lot of this stuff, um, where a lot of those yak yards came from and how they were able to eat off of that, those inside linebackers, whether it was, you know, Campbell or Quay Walker or whatever it was. Um, they needed to change it up and they did, and they got taken advantage of in that situation. So an example of this would be uh, that DPI play where Ballantyne was on the field. I think that was the first play that he ended up on the field. Um, the Packers switched into a man defense which, you know, totally different than the zone that they were picked apart in. Um, what ends up happening is Ballantyne gets a DPI because, they, you know, they were playing Penny and all that stuff. He ends up getting a penalty on that wheel route, and then they end up scoring to Coquille. So, like, they were changing things up because they were taking getting taken advantage of. And then their, like, constraints on defense were also getting beaten. Like they just got their ass kicked. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, you you watch those big explosives following sacks and stuff, and every single time someone's getting their ass kicked, someone is losing a rep. So, again, I don't know if it's like the motivation thing. I know uh, Mike Daniels talked about it on Twitter and stuff this week um, about like why isn't the mentality of the defense change at all, even under different guys and. He was a vocal leader on the defensive side, and he was he's he made it sound like um, that wasn't really wanted in the locker mm-hmm. room. But then when he went to Detroit and Cincinnati, like that was seen as a positive trait. Like I I don't know, maybe it's a culture thing, and maybe it's you don't want to say like go after guys with bad attitudes or who are a little raw or around the edges um, in terms of like. Uh, character or something like right. that, right? And I'm not saying that's what I, I think Mike Daniels is a good dude. Um, 
but the whole like the Packers just take milk drinkers and stuff like that thing in the draft. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, you want that. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have a couple of those guys that have that switch that just completely flips when they're between the sidelines and they kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of a madman out there a little bit and they've got that edge and that attitude. Um, and, um, maybe, maybe Valentine is like, he, he, maybe he can develop into one of those kinds of guys. I mean, he's got the, the attitude, kind of that brashness, um, to him. Um, we haven't seen it necessarily from him in physical play yet this season right. i think um i mean he's he's doing some good things around the ball and, and the coverage and whatnot but um so i feel like you probably need that from someone on the front seven but um yeah that's it, it's it's something that they just like daniel said it, it doesn't seem like they've had that guy who um can can bring the nasty in a in a way that's not you know that's not going to get penalized all the time right right but um yeah, Qu- yeah you Quays. gotta keep a, a con- <laughs> controlled nastiness right <laughs> yeah i mean that that's the weird thing right it's like sequoia does that a little bit um gets penalized gets talked down upon for that which like yeah you shouldn't push a trainer and all that stuff um jair probably does that a little bit mm-hmm. no one can figure out where jair's mentality is at right now right, right? Um, Zedarius was like that. Zedarius got ran out of town, right? Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, it's a weird thing. That's a the actual like locker room stuff is a is a really finicky thing and something that I'm not particularly well versed in. So I don't really mm-hmm. have an answer. Um, this yeah. is the last thing I want to mention about the defense. Pro Football Focus gave the Packers an overall coverage grade of 29.3, which is the lowest single team grade in the last five seasons. Mind you, last five seasons also includes those funky COVID years with all those weird lineups. Man. I I mean, there's no there's no way that can come as a surprise given what we saw. Again, perfect passer rating allowed. Um just Again, I don't even guys think Baker played well. Right. I don't even think Baker played well. He threw 400 yards almost. Did, did he make one tough throw all game? I don't well, think he like made a difficult throw all game. The toughest one I can remember is like the Mike Evans touchdown, and that wasn't even that. He was wide. He was still wide yeah. open. Yeah. Like you fit it in between two D backs who were 10 yards apart. Yeah. So. Oof. Defense zero. How dare you? Negative numbers. Yeah. Uh, I got to figure out who like the def- possible defensive coordinators are going to be. Um, I guess I'm going to try to make that my mission this week. I'll probably there have something up by the end of the week uh, up at APC um, on potential defensive coordinator options. Special teams. Shout out to Tampa. Um, Thank you. Yes. Fair caught everything. No penalties. That was cool. <laughs> Don't know why you did that. But uh, they I also, know. I think, put almost all of their kickoffs through the end zone. So I think Keyshawn only had two opportunities for returns. So that's also fewer opportunities for dumb holding penalties on uh, the coverage or the blocking units. So I actually kind cool. of think the special teams played semi well, and I know a lot mm-hmm. of those are like NA grades, right? Like kick return. I don't, I don't know how they would have played. Like they barely got any reps and stuff. Well, they didn't. They didn't. They only forced one punt, so we have no idea what right. the punt team, you know, was or the punt return team was going to do. And that punt from Camarda was just yeah amazing. So, but his operation was so slow. I thought I thought <laughs> they could have had a chance for a block, but they couldn't. Like they never punted again. Again, I know. Um. I thought they were going to block a kick. At one point, mm-hmm. Keyshawn Nixon was flying off of the edge, really selling himself out. I thought they were going to end up blocking one. They didn't. Um, those were Anders, basically my two notes yeah. there. Anders made all his kicks. So yep. a couple of them were close, but he made them. So good enough. Yeah, I'll give you like six, seven, something sure. something like that. Yep. Good for you guys. Um, I want to talk about the playoff race just a little <laughs> bit. Um, I'm going to pull pull up the playoff picture right now. Um, what a funky situation we found ourselves in. So the Packers are on the outside looking in. The sixth seed right now is the Minnesota Vikings. The seventh seed is the Rams. 
Um, funny enough, the five seed, the Cowboys, after losing to the Buffalo Bills. And get blown out in Buffalo. Yeah, they, they somehow managed to clinch the playoffs, though. <laughs> um, so the Packers situation right now, right? You need one of the Vikings or the Rams to collapse down the stretch. One of the good things about losing this game is it's not a divisional game, which is what yep. would be the head-to-head tiebreaker with the Vikings. Um, and then the Rams, the Packers obviously have the head-to-head tiebreaker there um, just because they've played each other, right, if their records end up uh, being equal. Um, no one's really pushing from behind at this point, right? Like the Bears didn't get the job done. The Giants <laughs> didn't get the job done. We can we can laugh at the Bears a little bit for just a half a second here for uh for the way that game finished. Yeah, that, I I I didn't see it in real time, but I saw it afterwards, and I was like, oh my god, they really should have won that. Um, so right now the hope is Vikings lose won't lose. You can make up the distance there. Uh, obviously, you got to win the head to head, um, or the Rams do that, and then you end up leaping over some combination of Saints, Seahawks, Falcons with. Tampa now in the driver's seat in the NFC South. Seahawks uh, might end up having the same record as the Packers, actually, by the time you listen to this, depending on when you listen to this on Monday, because they're playing the Eagles. Um, it's the it's still there for the taking, fundamentally, is is the lesson here. You right? got a that, chance, yeah. You know, the, the, the three, seven, and seven teams that are tied for that, those last two playoff spots, like you said, Vikings, they'll play them head-to-head. Packers obviously need to, you know, need to win out, and that would include a win over the Vikings to pull them even. And then um, again, the other two are Saints and Rams, and Packers have head-to-head wins over both. So it's not pretty. It's still possible, but they need to, you know, pull their heads out of their butts on defense before we even want to talk about that. Right. Um, New York Times uh, playoff machine. If the Packers win all three of their games to end the season. They have a 97% chance to make the playoffs. Here is the big one. Um, obviously, you got to beat the Panthers. Obviously, you got to beat the Bears. The Vikings game is insane. The split there. If if the Packers beat the Panthers and Bears, right? 96% chance to make the playoffs if they beat the Vikings. If they lose, it's a 12% chance. It's nuts. The, the split is insane. Like, you have to, at the very least... If you're gonna go two and one, that win one has those... to come against the Vikings. Absolutely. Yeah. One of those wins has to come against the Vikings. That's point blank period on the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um Oof. so yeah, that's where we're at with the playoff race. Um I'm let me look at mock draft situation right now. The Packers are eleventh in the draft order. What a that's, weird year. This is draft. yeah, that to to go from being in the last spot in the playoffs to the, which would be what pick number 20, sub 2021 to, you know, to drop into or to climbing all the way up to 11th in the draft order with one loss is, is pretty ridiculous. Just a lot of like very average teams in the NFL right now, or inconsistent, I guess Mm -hmm. like the the chargers are like pick number eight right now. (laughs) The giants are at set. Like it's a weird year, like outside of, New England and Carolina, I don't know if anyone feels great about even picking in the top five. Like, if the Cardinals pick seventh, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Yeah. The Jets pick third. I also would not be surprised. Like, mm-hmm. they just got eliminated from playoff contention this past yeah. week. It, it is remarkable, you know, just how how ugly the middle of everything is and how big that that middle is. I mean, normally, yeah, yeah we've got those, those four or five teams that you know are going to finish with two or three wins and um, you know, those four or five teams that are going to be 12, 13 win squads. And there's just not that this year, especially, you know, especially on the bottom end, you've got random, you know, it's, it's just so muddled up between that, like six and eight and eight and six range. And in both conferences at this point. Yeah. Wildcard weekend could be a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. It could, it could get real ugly. <laughs> I think uh, the, the, it might get ugly enough, especially if we get like weird situations with like Tampa, like if, whoever wins the NFC South. If if they get blown out, we always see the NFL 
way overreact to whatever happens in the postseason, right? Maybe we get a situation moving forward where we just say to hell with um, having the four conference winners win the first four seeds. And, you know, if you make it in, you make it in. But we're we're going to end up seeding based off of your record instead of yeah yeah have have your division winners be guaranteed a spot but not be guaranteed a top seed in a home game especially if like someone like the cowboys are like the five Mm -hmm. seed and they're like we didn't have any home games for dallas cowboys playoffs like oh you know jerry would be losing his mind over that and especially with the fact that they play seem to play so poorly outside um i mean again today's another perfect example of that that um you get them outdoors in any sort of weather and they just can't function. I swear to God, Joe Barry, if we lose to Bryce Young, like he's getting fired that day, right? I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's Josh Rosen, basically. Yeah. At this point. It's that bad. Yeah. The Carolina won, but they scored like eight points, nine points, something like that. Yeah. Nine seven was the final in that one. Disgusting. But we did it with uh, Tommy DeVito, who won, what, 10-7 the week prior? So, mm-hmm. Joe? And, yeah, lost 24-6 to this week. So, yeah. here we go. Matt, you're going to have to fire Joe. I'm sorry. You didn't want to do it. You held on as long as you could. You're going to have to do it. Um, it's time. I hope Green Bay spends money at, at DC. I really do. I hope they spend money on the... You know, just positional coaches in general. I don't know if they will, especially considering the fact that, like, maybe your head coach is on the hot seat entering, you know, the the 2024 season. Um, Buyouts for coaches are a real thing and stuff. Like, you're paying for a three-year contract and all that stuff. But you got to try. If not, like, why do we even have a team? Why why are we going to play if we don't try? I don't get it. It's time. APC Podcast Feed. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. You're probably already subscribed since you listen to this. Um, AcmePackingCompany.com. We'll have all the updates for injury reports and stuff like that throughout the week. I'm sure we're going to have plenty of think pieces on everything Joe Barry, everything Matt LaFleur, um, everything I can't believe we let Baker Mayfield win Offensive Player of the Week. It's coming. Pain. Pain. Beat the Carolina Panthers, man. Well, and uh, if we don't talk to you next week with it being the holiday, hope right. everybody who celebrates have a have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy enjoy all of your holidays. And, um, yeah, we'll be in your ears at some point in the near future, with or without a defensive coordinator. Go Packers. Go Pack Go. <laughs>